On today's show, we dive into Hawks edition Patty Mills, the veteran guard, how he was playing in Brooklyn the last couple of years, what he might bring to the Hawks, and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1541 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the Lots on Podcast Network. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on right now to get started. And today's show, I'll be joined by Reed Wallach, who covers the Brooklyn Nets intently. He is uh, an enthusiast of Brooklyn. And because of that topic and the connection here, We'll be talking about Patty Mills. That's why I asked Reed to come on. Patty has been in Brooklyn the last two years. Of course, a longtime veteran guard, but this is the first sort of deep dive that I've done into Mills since he was acquired by the Hawks. We'll get into all that with Reed and more coming up. I should first, though, at the top of the podcast, tell you to make us your first listen each and every day. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify, and also on the video side over on YouTube. I really do appreciate all the support. We had two shows already this week. We had three last week. It is uh, staying busy here in the doldrums of August, and we'll have much more coming up as the season gets closer and closer, but a good time on sort of on the uh, precipice of the World Cup, which I previewed a little bit on Wednesday's show where Patty Mills will be playing for Australia as well. So good time to talk to Reed, a fun conversation, and uh, that is coming up for you right now. I am joined now by what I would describe as a 100th percentile Brooklyn Nets observer and, by extension, Patty Mills expert, Reed Wallach. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. That's uh, That's got to be uh, one of the darkest things I've ever been called, <laughs> an expert Patty Mills observer. Uh, yeah, pumped to be on. Always happy to talk Nets, whether they're former Nets, uh, current Nets. I'm always happy to come on and help out and hopefully – you know, it is uh, late August. We need something to talk about. So hopefully I can give some uh, some perspective into Patty Mills. It, it is a, it is late August. And I know a lot of people have seen Patty Mills, including me. Uh, you know, he was with the Spurs forever. And now it seems like I waited intentionally to even ask you to come on because, you know, even the reporting and what I heard, like it wasn't a lock that they were going to keep Patty Mills. So I didn't want to do too much Patty Mills coverage back when the deal happened to get him. Uh, it seems, though, it's more likely than not now he's going to stick around and he's been uh, in Brooklyn the last two years. So uh, I want to talk about him a little bit and then we'll talk some Nets because I know you really enjoy talking about your Nets uh, <laughs> at the end of this podcast because they they're they kind of competing with the Hawks in some some respects. Um, but look, you know, Patty Mills has just turned 35 years old. Uh, we're timing this also because he's about to play for Australia in the World Cup and I think is going to be one of their main guys. So we'll probably see more of him coming up. But as far as NBA stuff is concerned, this is his 15th season coming up. He didn't play that much. I want to start there. Uh, generally speaking, and we'll sort of get into it. Uh, what did you make of Patty last year? Because I know he was much more of a key part of the team in his first season two years ago than he was last year at Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I think you need to lump together the two years to really give the full perspective of like the Patty Mills experience with the Brooklyn Nets because Two years ago, of course, is the year Kyrie Irving unvaccinated, James Harden requests out. It's a it's a disaster of a season, but lost in that was that Patty Mills, the first half of the season, was huge for the Nets. He was doing a little bit of everything, was playing, I believe, a role that he wasn't signed to do because Harden had a steep drop-off in play. Kyrie wasn't playing for the first half of the season. Then he did like the half road game only type thing. So... To me, Patty Mills, when he first gets there, 
is a revelation. We love Patty Mills. His three-point shot is up. And you could even uh, – I'll pull him up right now. But if you look at his splits first half of the season versus second half of the season, this is you know a 30-something-year-old player who has a lot of miles on him. He fell off a cliff, clearly hit a physical wall. And I believe that kind of left Nets fans a little sour – with Patty Mills, you know, they get swept by Boston, obviously Harden requests that. It's a kind of, you know, Durant, Kyrie, all that stuff happened. So I think that um, you see, uh, just to bring it up. So pre all-star break, his first season with the Nets, 42% from the field, 41% from three on a fairly high. I mean, he averaged 13 points a game averaged um, 31 minutes per game. That's a high rate for Patty Mills, who's projected to be a sixth man. Second half of the season falls off the cliff. 33% from the field, 33% from three, only plays 23 minutes as points per game drops to six. And with that, his net rating drops from plus 3.3 to minus point minus point two. So there was a steep drop-off there. This season came around, this past season, I had pretty low expectations for him to begin with because I kind of saw he was picked on on defense, can't really create for himself. So that's I think he rightfully saw a pretty stark drop off in his minutes per played and his production. But I will say this when he came in and played consummate professional came in and made plays left and right. And, you know, there were a few moments where you didn't want to play him too long because then the defense, then the (laughs) opposition starts to figure him out, starts to target him on defense. But, you know, three minute spurts here and there comes in. He, he did, you know, really spread the floor really nicely Shot 36% from three, took about three per game, only played 14 minutes per game. But I would say given his role as kind of a spark plug off the bench, he actually succeeded in my opinion. But I also had low expectations going into year two. Yeah, that all makes sense. And I was actually um, surprised. You know, I'm still watching the rest of the league too. But I was surprised to know that two years ago, his first season, uh, 2021 and 22 season in Brooklyn, he actually, that was the most minutes he's ever played in an NBA season, which is pretty crazy. He also which was that like, ma- that makes sense though, to what I was saying, right? Yeah, like, it does. The wall. You could see it. Like you could see his shots were short. You could see everything that he clearly had went into like, uh, too deep of waters physically. No. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, he's always been really durable, but it was always in a relatively small role, uh, supporting role in San Antonio. He also, I think, was like top 15 in the league of three-pointers made. Like he played enough, he played so much to your point that like the numbers look pretty solid. And you know, we'll get to the defense in a second too. That's definitely something I want to talk about. And I, I do think it's important to just say this now from the Hawks standpoint. Um, you know, he's he they're bringing him in in a very very small role, if a role at all. We'll see. So that's kind of uh important to kind of throw that out there. Like there's no guarantee of minutes here, which is kind of more like it was last year at Brooklyn when he played, you know, 40 games. I'm I'm actually, I should have looked this up. Um, did he have injuries last year? Or was it was it simply just out of the rotation when he wasn't playing? Out of the rotation. That's what I thought. I just want to make sure I wasn't uh, I wasn't crazy. Um, so that's, and that probably gonna be more like it was, um, like it will be in Atlanta. Also, it seems like, and I wonder this too, you know, I don't always trust the, uh, the club I played that. Uh, it seems like he played a lot more, like, I guess maybe next to Kyrie in uh, in year one, like maybe more like shooting guard minutes. And it seems to be when he played last year, it was, basically all point guard like when he kind of had to have a guy out there does that does that sound right to you as far as like role was concerned yeah i would say he he would be uh i'd say secondary complimentary ball handler i would say you know after the first read on offense he'd get the ball and swing swing action maybe get a screen he'd come popping off like a staggered screen and he'd make the first read and he'd either make a quick pass or he's probably going right up and shooting it yeah so 
I wouldn't say he was really a playmaker. He he wasn't initiating the offense. He would take kind of the second action later in the shot clock to try and create. But something about Patty Mills, and uh, we could talk about his fit in Atlanta. And I'll just say this: I I don't think he should obviously play next to Trey Young for obvious reasons. These are two yes. <laughs> smaller guys, two poor defenders. But to me, Patty probably would be really nice next to Murray. The guy's always in motion. He's always moving around the floor. You'll really, you'll notice that. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I wasn't as locked down the Hawks, but I feel like a lot of what plagued Atlanta, at least when they play the Nets, was a lot of just like standing there, letting Trey operate at the top of the key, a lot of ISO ball, late shot clock creation for whoever had the ball. I think Patty, when he does play, you're going to see the passing. You're going to see a lot more movement. He just, it really, he is a, he's an aesthetically pleasing player to watch on offense. And he also, there is a nice bump, like his uh, effect is felt on the rest of the offense, just quick passing, moving. And it's why like something in FIBA, he's been able to carve out such a strong role with Australia because he does preach movement. He's always very well conditioned, always moving. He could really come off the staggered screen and hit a three. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is going to be the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you buy a Super Bowl winner in the NFL, you get bonus bets every single time they win during the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll actually get bonus bets for each and every victory. Then you can use those bonus bets on point spreads or player props or over-unders and much more. The FanDuel app is safe and secure. You'll get all kinds of angles that you're looking for over at FanDuel. They cover the whole range of sports beyond the NFL, which, of course, is a prominent thing there. Culture ball as well. NBA, of course, MLB, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, and the whole gamut of sports is available to you at FanDuel. And there's a better place to bet on football or basketball action in America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com right now uh, and really start earning your bets today. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on. One more time, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Check out FanDuel today. I was going to bring up the FIBA thing too, because Patty has always been known and has, has performed as this like fantastic FIBA player. Like he's always been known as that. And his game fits that very well. I'm glad you brought up the Trey thing. I was going to say it too. Like, I don't think there's a scenario barring multiple injuries where you'll see much of <laughs> Patty and Trey. And look, I'll be the first to say last year, and this is the, this is the different coaching thing on the Hawk side. I don't know what the plan is yet. We're, we've not got a training camp. I've been poking around about, Hey, what do you think about Patty Mills? It might just be that he plays when they just need another caretaker out there. He may not even be in the rotation at some point in time. I do think that he can play with Murray, to your point. And the shooting is really valuable. Um, and that's something like, – I, I think he had like a, maybe a career worst or something like that for point shooting uh, accuracy number last year. But, like, look, he – I think you can correct me. It feels like he's still a, a, a very good shooter. He's not maybe like – Oh, yeah. You know, he shot in, you know, in the 38 to 40 range pretty much his entire career until last year. And it was still on pretty big volume, almost 37%. Like, that, that is his – probably in a supporting role primary, you know, he's a, he's a really good shooter as, as the biggest thing. And yeah. not like someone you're going to have to run the offense, but I do think that, um, and I want to ask you this question now, I guess, I think one of the scenarios where he might play more is if you get an injury, get an ankle tweak to Trey or an ankle tweak to DeJounte, he's kind of the only guy on the roster other than those two that is a point guard, quote unquote. And I agree with what you said earlier, not, not like necessarily a, a traditional playmaker, but he might have to fill that role. What happens if he is the only or maybe the main ball handler on a roster in the NBA right now? Can, can he do that for 15 minutes a night? Is that even possible? It's yeah. pushing it. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's pushing it. I, I think you can put him next to someone, but that's where I got, I'm not like in tune with sure. Atlanta's rotation, and everything, but 
maybe if it's like if somehow Trey and DeJounte are both out, I would say like probably need a big game from like Bogdan handling the rock a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I almost said that. It's, it's kind of funny because Hawks when they have not had their third point guard in, in the last year or so, and which I think is again Mills right now, it's basically mm-hmm. okay. The, the other ball handler is Bogdanovich as the primary, not he's not a primary either, but it's like almost you have to piece it together with two guys that aren't primaries that can kind of just, yeah, exactly. You're, I wouldn't say like, you're going into this one, like, all right, well we got like Pat, like there's certain teams where, you know, you have like, like even like, this is like a, obviously a high end example, but the first one that came to my head, like the Celtics, like, all right, well, like we have a few guys out tonight, but like we got like Brogdon or like even Peyton Pritchard, like we have a ball handler off the bench. I wouldn't like, I don't, classify patty mills as that like to me you're probably gonna have to lean on like bogdan you hope like deandre hunter can maybe like take a step as like a initiator i mean i'll say J- this like jalen johnson maybe as a uh as yeah point four guy yeah yeah and and who'd you, you guys drafted kobe buffkin right yeah he will I mean, that's Is he gonna play he, well that's the other thing he, um and i'm not saying that he and mills are competing because they kind of are but they kind of aren't it's one of those where they tried buffkin in summer league uh exclusively at point guard they don't think he's a point guard right now. That that was fully because of development. So mm-hmm. I, I've already had Hawks fans asking me like, who plays more, basically Patty Mills or Cody Buffkin? And my answer is I don't know. And it's because you know they're trying to win now. This team is trying to win. You got a 19 year old in Buffkin who probably isn't ready, objectively speaking. And but Mills is on the other side where he's 35 and he's obviously yeah. on the decline. So it's like I don't know what they'll prioritize between the the steady veteran who's a much better shooter right now versus like obviously Buffkin's a lot more athletic, um, probably better defensively just by default. And it's like, I, I don't know how it's going to go. But that's honestly, they are the only two guys that are kind of point guard sized on this current roster other than Trey DeJounte. So it's like, whenever, when all is well and those guys are playing, I think we'll see a stagger like we saw last year. They'll probably play the whole 48. One of them will be on the court. But inevitably, somebody's going to tweak an ankle for, for five games. And it's like, all right, yeah. what do you do then? Yeah, I, I would say... I if I'm a Hawks fan, I'm I'm hoping Kobe Buff can get some reps early and <laughs> kind of like yeah. make it make it work or like at least like you feel comfortable that he's coming in. It's not like a, a like we got like like even like just to compare it to the Nets. Like sometimes when the Nets go to some of their developmental projects, you're like oh, yeah, like okay, like we're really hoping this. Like here we go. Like you're yeah. kind of yeah spinning the roulette wheel. Like for Buffkin, at least the Hawks like testing that point guard depth. I think you want because I imagine like. Hawks fans are like, we want to win. That's the probably yes. the the mandate from Hawks Twitter and Hawks fandom. Uh, I would say if you guys want to win, you should probably be pulling for Kobe Bufkin to probably leapfrog Patty in the depth chart pretty quickly in the season. Like in the, like those early November games, like you want Kobe to show something that he could earn some more minutes than Patty. If I were if I were the Hawks fan, that's at least how sure. I would think probably. Yeah, and look, it's. Uh, I've heard mixed things about Quinn Snyder. Obviously, he was here last year, but he came in midseason, haven't seen a whole training camp. In Utah, he had a rep at the end of like not loving to deal with super young guys who are inexperienced. So I think that's maybe mm-hmm. my, maybe part of why they've kept Mills around. And look, I was going to ask you this, and I know you're not like in the locker room every single day, but like <laughs> Pat, Patty's Patty's uh, uh, reputa- reputation is fantastic. Everyone seems to love the guy, which maybe that's part of like why you keep him around in general. If he's not going to play, there is some value to having a 35 year old who's been around forever and is kind of really liked in NBA circles. And I don't know if that's what you hear there, but that's what I've always heard about about Mills is really positive stuff. Yeah. Uh, from all indications, this guy's a consummate professional. Again, this is a guy who 
went from like key cog two years ago to like thrown right out of the rotation, thrown in really disadvantageous situations. Didn't hear a complaint. I mean, if you really want like my like unfiltered opinion, it seemed like he was like Ben Simmons babysitter. Cause like they both, <laughs> like they seem to really get along and everything like that. And you know, well, Australia, Australian connection there with it, Ben Simmons. Exactly. Right? No, that, yeah. and Sean Marks also an Australian the yep. general manager of the Nets. So that was like always a thing. Like, Patty Mills and Ben Simmons always sat next to each other on the bench, always like with each other. Like that was a kind of a running joke amongst like Nets fans that like Patty's around because of like, you know, he's like Ben's like basically babysitter. And like, I will say (laughs) that. um, Yeah. I, um, everything by all indication, but this guy was a pro. I know like when the Nets had the stars, there, like Durant, Durant loved Patty. Everybody seems to love Patty. So I agree for a Hawks team that has kind of been bad vibes for, since the conference finals run, I'd say like, just from like observing from afar seems like a team that's kind of underachieved. I like the Quinn Snyder hire. I think that a guy like Patty Mills doesn't hurt to have him around. And yeah, also think- you could, if it's last year of his contract, worst yep. case you can dump him at the deadline or even wave him, And it's like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a thought and you know, it, I guess it's still possible now if he gets to camp, they just don't see what they want to see that, um, I think even Woj in the initial reporting was like, uh, just, the Hawks aren't sure if they're going to keep Maddie Mills. It's one of those, that's what mm-hmm. you can do if you have a guy that's aspiring. Like, he's making a lot more than the minimum, but if you needed a spot, you could just move on from him or buy him out or whatever. But I think the vibes are pretty good there. They brought in, I think it was not a coincidence to me that they brought in Patty Mills and Wes Matthews as like just two old heads that just won't be in the way. And they'll, they'll, it's, it's good locker room stuff. Um, I, I did want to ask you, I know we kind of talked around it a little bit. I want to just, mentioned the defense we talked about the fit with trey uh i'll just frame it this way how bad is the defense is, is it as bad as uh as i'm picturing it potentially be yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> uh again he's a guy who's gonna he, he's gonna fight over screens he's gonna fight to stay in the plays but i mean this guy he's listed at what like six one i mean he's yeah. five ten tops like he's and, not, and also thirty and also thirty five years old. So he's not he's not like it's a, he's a, he's a nuclear athlete. There's some guys that are really small that are flying around. He's not a huge athlete like that. Yeah, the, he's a, a stark minus defender. And again, that's why like in pinches last year, I wouldn't mind if he got run. He's a good spark plug off the bench. Again, stimulates movement on offense. But if he plays, you know, if he's playing like three four minute bursts, you could like get away with it, limit the possessions. But like if you're running him out there, like. You know, he comes in off like the first media timeout under seven and he's playing like majority of that quarter. Like he, the the offense is going to kind of suss that out and figure out how to attack and put him in pick and rolls, really run him through screens and just like open up a guy beyond the arc. So, again, this is a guy I wouldn't expect him to play more than, you know, your 10, 15 minutes. Just try to space the floor. Uh, defense is really where you're going to he's going to probably end up being a negative player when like you look at like his net rating and like his points per possession and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's just for, just to put it very simply, that's, that's why he and Trey wouldn't, I think on offense, he and Trey would work great. They they would play together. Uh, That's the issue. They would, they would work well together because he'd probably get Trey to move a little bit and, you know, he'd open up some passing avenues for Trey, but on defense, that's going to be like a, a leaky faucet. It would have to be a very specific matchup. I'm not even sure what that matchup would be for that to actually work. Um, I will I'll give it to you. If there's anything else that you want to say about Patty Mills, I'd like you to say it. And if not, we'll get to some Brooklyn Nets talk. Cause I know uh, before you get out of here, I, I got to ask you about the Nets. Cause they're, look, they are a close competitor to the Hawks. So it's tangentially relevant to the Hawks this year. I, I would say Patty Mills dimmer down, da- simmer down expectations. 
the guy is, like I said, good locker room guy. He's probably going to come in early and make some plays, like, in doses, though. Like, he'll have, like, when Patty Mills comes in, like, again, like, we're talking, like, end of first half. Like, maybe he has, like, a little freak outburst where he hits, like, three threes in, like, three (laughs) minutes or something. But go in with low expectations. I would probably be hoping that Kobe Bufkin could overtake him um, early in the season, and that's kind of the end of this. And, like, you know – He's probably Patty Mills probably on a different team come uh, the postseason, but you know it it doesn't hurt to have him. Like I said, he's a fun player to watch on offense. Okay, so our network is uh, sponsored by FanDuel, so I'm going to throw a number at you. The Hawks' number right now for over unders is 41 and a half. The only team between Atlanta and Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference is currently Indiana's at 38 and a half. Brooklyn's at 37 and a half, so they're pretty close together. I'm going to ask you this because honestly. I'm sure you've heard this question a million times. What is going on with the Nets? Because, like, look, they, last year we know what it was. It, it, it kind of all changed in a very short period of time. And they weren't awful after that, a, after the big moves. But they weren't They weren't the same caliber of team. And mm. they, you know, they, they kind of didn't go either direction in the offseason either. So uh, what, what do I make of the Nets right now? Like, what's going on? Um, Long term, I hated this offseason. I can't call it what it is. I, I, I hated this offseason. No, because I – I think the team has a few nice players all seem like guys I could root for guys I could like. Unfortunately, I can't get the out of my head that we did have Kevin Durant and uh, you know, this was a perennial finals contender for a few years and we're now doing this. But that being said, the Nets have a few good players. I don't know what they're doing. It seems like to me, they are circling the drain and they're just waiting and hoping that a star which, by the way, they've said that they don't want to do this anymore. They're all about the culture, even though their grand plan seems to be pretty telegraphed that they want to be in the mix for a star. Well, whether... was it, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it their, their culture the first time around too? Like, was exactly. it all about the so, culture before they got to? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. exactly. So they're they're selling this culture <laughs> thing, but in reality, their big move is going to be they're going to want to probably like they're going to hope like Donovan Mitchell hits the market this off season and they like cash in all their assets and then it's like Mitchell Bridges. Cam Johnson, like if they resign Claxon, like that's your four, and like you could kind of go to war with that, and you're probably like a third best team in the East. Like maybe things break your way, and you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. But to me, what I would have done is I would have gone the complete other way. I would have done a complete teardown. I would have tried to flip Bridges, who's on like one of the like Mikael Bridges is really good, but he's not a one. He's probably like a mid tier two. Like you could probably argue like him and Jalen Brown. I think is probably a closer debate than people probably realize. Um, I would have tried and flipped all of them and gone complete tear down instead of root for this team that has a win total of 37 and a half. When your win total is between 35 and like 42, like that's a dark place to be if you're <laughs> the Nets given their roster composition. So that's where I stand. What do I think is going to happen this year? Probably fight to 500. I'd honestly probably lean towards the under on their win total. I'm going to root for them. Like, People like seem to think that like because I'm negative of the outlook, that means I like hate the uh, team. Like that is nothing would make f- me happier than to be refrain. wrong. Yeah, yeah, nothing would make me happy to be wrong. But I think the Nets like lean under because ultimately they lack uh, guys that could actually create their top ball handler, Spencer Dinwiddie, who doesn't feel like sharing the ball. He's kind of a, like he's kind of a stat cheater like he'll just get like the easy assist on dump boss but he's not actually a good passer so i think the nets are going to probably lose some games that you know you'd win if you had like a true star so i lean towards the under 
compared to the Hawks, like the Nets have a better record than the Hawks all rot, like stabilize injuries, right? Like, you know, you have your like nicks and bruises, but like you get Trey for 70 games, Murray for 70 games, Bridges for like probably 82 because he's really durable. Like the Hawks have a better team on paper. They have far more talent. And you, you can even think about it. Last year, it was right after the All-Star break. Uh, Hawks, Nets, Trey hit a buzzer beater in like a really yep. fun back and forth game. Like that's the difference between these two teams. Like the Hawks have a finisher. Say what you want about Trey Young. They have a finisher. The Nets lack that. And I like Mikel Bridges a lot. I think he's really good. I like Claxton a lot. I think the Nets made a mistake not moving these guys when they had peak value and you could really jumpstart this rebuild the right way. Um no teams go middle up in this league. So it's very hard think, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the Hawks should be better than that's the Pacers. I don't know. I don't know about the Pacers. I think the that window yeah. is a little interesting. I think people I, I think might be baking a in a little too much might Agreed. be baking in a little too much upside with the Pacers. What was the record last year, the Pacers? It was uh, considerably – no, it's, it's it's interesting enough to me. It was considerably worse than that. I, I, I remember that very well. Uh, let's see. what This is great podcasting, but it's okay. Um, yeah, because oh, they, they got the 35 actually, wins last year. They, they won more games than I realized. Yeah, they won 35 and 47. They, they, finished, they, finished, they finished pretty decently. And, like, look, I I haven't looked this up in the last couple of days. I think that number has gone up. I feel like when I looked at it originally a couple of weeks ago, they were kind of in line with, like, Chicago, Toronto, Brooklyn, and now, uh, and now they're, like, a win or two ahead of them. So I wonder if that's – there's some steam going on there, but we'll see. But yeah, I, I just think it's interesting because like, you know, the Hawks are kind of in no man's land. Something I've said before, and I know you follow this stuff very well. You have your own podcast on all these things. And um, the Hawks are kind of in their own mini tier in the projections right now. It's like you have their top five and you have kind of have the Knicks and it's kind of the Hawks. And it's mo- on most mm-hmm. of these win totals projections. And uh, I find it interesting, but you know, the Nets are not far away. I- I'm with you. I think the Hawks are better than the Nets. Um, but I-, I truly just didn't. I have no feel for the Nets like in their current form. I know we saw it for a little while last year, but it was like such a stark contrast that I just never got a feel for how good they actually would be. And I trust you more than I do on, on that the, particular team. Like uh, to give you a, for the Nets were like a negative net rating wise, like after the trades and stuff, like, which, and like yeah. you could, you could, you could point to like, these guys don't really know each other, new system, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just struggle to see the Nets winning enough close games and also having the high end offensive ceiling to win regular season ball games. So like the Hawks, they have a pretty high floor offensively. It's if the defense could come around. Agreed. The issue with like regular season basketball is you probably need like that recipe works more than like a higher defensive floor. Like the Nets have a lot of really good defenders, a lot of length. Like they clearly their mandate this summer was to go get more athletic, trade out the Joe Harris's and the Patty Mills, go get the Dennis Smith's and the, you know, Darius Baisley's and the Lonnie Walker's. The issue is like, like if a team is going to shoot the lights out and like put up 115, like those games where like you can even play good defense and a team's going to put up 115, 120, the Nets don't have that gear. The Nets are going to be much more suited trying to score 105, even 100, kind of grind these games to a halt, you know, force some turnovers, crash the glass, stuff like that. I I struggle to see the Nets really competing. The Hawks, they, they should. And I also think the Hawks have – a Damn good coach in Quinn Snyder. The Nets, I, I struggle to see Jock Vaughn being a developmental head, like uh, someone like Quinn Snyder is, who has a track record of, you know, even if you were saying he doesn't like to play the young guys, he's been able to implement. He did it early on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's been there. Jock Vaughn. I, I, I like Jock Vaughn when the Nets had stars because it seemed like the, 
the guys gravitated to him, really rallied around him. I struggle to see Jock Vaughn, the developmental coach, like trying to really implement a scheme and like maximize some talent. There you go. Uh, there's your there's your compressed net scouting report for everybody <laughs> out there. Uh, I just figured it was at least interesting enough, and I uh, had you on the podcast, and they're close together. And uh, I would say there's there's a non-zero chance that Brooklyn is better than Atlanta, but I think we agree yep. Atlanta is possible. Better, better team on paper. Um, well, thanks for the time. I do appreciate it. Please plug anything you would like. I know you have a podcast and all kinds of things going on that are not just Nets related, so people should not just tune out of this plug that's about to come. Yeah, uh, college football season getting started this weekend. So that's actually – the Nets are my pride and joy and always will be number one in my heart. But uh, for the sake of work, I actually cover college football in the sports betting space pretty heavily. So go check out my podcast, The Early Read, wherever you listen to your podcast. A lot of conference previews, week zero betting preview all up in there. And just follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wallach, for you know a, basically – running shoe my subconscious on uh pretty much all <laughs> things sports betting so yeah uh brad appreciate you having me on and uh hopefully we can catch up uh maybe a playing game that's awesome that, that, that when i'm back on i don't know about a playoff series but maybe it's I'll possible game. it's very possible and maybe, maybe the nets make their big all-in move in the middle of the season and they make they make their run to the six or something i don't know we'll, we'll see how <laughs> that all say. goes well thanks for doing this man i do appreciate it check out reed's work great follow on twitter and all things football and betting content all that I recommend that at the highest level as everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts as well. And we'll see you all next time.